Hello, pharmacists and student pharmacists. My name is Dan Gallipo, and welcome to the next episode of Off Script, brought to you by your APHA ASP Policy Standing Committee. For those of you who are new to Offscript, this podcast is intended to be an informative, interview-based podcast series that encourages our listeners to think outside the prescription pad. This series focuses on the issues that our APHA ASP student pharmacist members determined were important to them based on the resolutions that were passed from the 2017 APHA ASP House of Delegates. Offscript gives us a chance to hear from the experts practicing in these fields to learn more about what we can do as pharmacists to continue advancing our profession. In this episode, we talk about pharmacy benefit managers, or PBMs. Who are they? How do they fit into our complex healthcare system? And why are they getting so much attention lately? And of course, what do PBMs have to do with pharmacists practicing in the community? Today, I am joined by Kevin Schwiers from the National Community Pharmacists Association, where he is the current Senior Vice President of Government and Public Affairs. We are very fortunate to be hosting Kevin Schwiers, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Dan. It's an honor. I appreciate the invitation. Happy to be with you. Great. Um, So I guess the big question first off, what, what are PBMs? What role do they play, do you see, in today's healthcare system? Yes, thanks, Dan. So PBMs are pharmacy benefit managers, essentially are uh, overseeing the drug benefit for the vast majority of Americans. Um, nearly, uh, nearly every American has their prescription covered one way or another through a drug plan that is administered by a PBM. Um, they both they have relationships upstream and downstream throughout the process. So um, they are contracting with pharmacies that in the community basis, retail basis chains, uh, to which patients go to have their prescriptions filled. Uh, they're making all the decisions related to the formulary or list of medication that's covered. Uh, they're the ones making the decisions in terms of the copay uh, or coinsurance that the patients must incur in order to get their medication. Um, and they determine which pharmacies are in those networks that patients have access to. Um, in addition to that, the largest uh, PBMs uh, own and operate their own mail order pharmacies. Um, so they're basically also. Uh, interacting with patients at that level. Um, they're contracted with health plans uh, and health plan sponsors, uh, typically through the health plan, which contracts with the PBM to more or less hand off to the PBM the drug benefit management side of things, um, where the health plan might focus more of its own attention on the rest of the medical benefit uh, cost. So um, they're they're everywhere. I mean, they're, they're in every aspect of... Um, the prescription drug system today, and they're impacting every uh, entity throughout the supply chain, and certainly patients and prescribers, and undoubtedly pharmacists on a regular basis. It sounds like PBMs have a lot of involvement, as you've just said, in various aspects of healthcare, including pharmacies and pharmacists. But why are PBMs now a topic of discussion among community pharmacists and the general public? Why now? It's a great question. Uh, it's a confluence of factors. I think for from the community pharmacist perspective, our members, um, it's been a subject of concern for many years, decades. Uh, and what I've seen uh, here at NCPA is in the past couple of years, it's really uh, reached a, a tipping point related to the uh, amount of interest and uh, awareness about it. I think that uh, I've been with NCPA eight years, and in my earlier time here, it often felt like we were a bit of a voice in the wilderness, uh, community pharmacists and, and NCPA uh, speaking about these issues. And then 
what happened in the last, I'd say, 18 to 24 months has been um, several factors that has really led this to explode as far as a, um, a broader healthcare issue involving multiple stakeholders. And I think a big part of it is the advent of high deductible health insurance plans. So essentially, um, there was a, a bit of a watershed moment with this uh, uh, concern related to the price and accessibility for EpiPen and more recently uh, insulin. And I think that as health plans were asking patients to incur more of the direct uh, cost for these medication, where it was not uh, sort of masked, if you will, uh, through a, uh, a copay system where they might only be paying a small fraction of the, of the cost. Well, as that manifested itself and those plans became more and more prevalent, uh, more consumers were exposed to directly to the, those costs. And you had a greater sticker shock at the pharmacy level as these plans were structured in a way uh, where these patients uh, were incurring you know, all or a substantially greater portion of the cost up front. And that triggered uh, enormous backlash, uh, resulted in um, hearings uh, in the Congress um, and, a, and a national discussion about um, how medication is uh, accessed and, and how do we ensure its affordability. And it's a debate that NCBA has welcomed. We've been calling for it and encouraging it for a long time. And so we're encouraged and excited about it right now um, and just trying to hope that this will yield some um, some new approaches in terms of how uh, drug benefit management is considered in this country. And so I think those, the confluence of, um, you know, gradually rising costs combined with the um, cost shifting from the plan and the plan sponsor more and more to the patient has made this um, a front burner issue for a lot of people. I see. And it sounds like a lot of this discussion is leading towards cost of healthcare and what role PBMs play in that. Now, PBMs are often cited as a way to manage costs, including on their association webpage, the PCMA, who represents them. That's one of their big assets that they put out there is that they help manage costs. So what do you see in this healthcare landscape as far as costs related to what our consumers or patients are seeing and then the costs that our payers are seeing as well? How do PBMs play into that? It's a good question, and it's a question that we think really is is open to debate and um, and certainly interpretation. I think that um, part of the answer to that question is sort of another question in terms of cost for who and and how that impacts the various stakeholders throughout the healthcare ecosystem. I mean, since the incorporation of the modern day PBM around 1987, with the three large PBMs now controlling about 80 percent of the market, which in our view is excessive concentration. Um, prescription drug expenditures are up 1,010% since 1987 in that, in that period, and the expense per capita is up 756%. So um, to us, this sort of upward trend, which has increased dramatically compared to um, you know, earlier years, is, is a source of concern, and we think one that warrants much greater um, transparency and a discussion about exactly how that uh, that system operates, which we're finally starting to starting to have. Um, I think another thing that's important for, um, you know, your audience and, and pharmacists as a profession is this concern that we and others have related to the siloing of the prescription drug costs. So, so for example, um, there's a lot of downstream health uh, 
costs that are avoided through better adherence, through better uh, filling of prescriptions and, and taking them properly. And that's something that, unfortunately, our current system doesn't fully capture and uh, encapsulate. So um, a lot of the current drug benefit management uh, PBM model is uh, a siloed uh, situation where you essentially have an incentive to not fill prescriptions or have people access their medication because that becomes, you know, sort of, quote-unquote, somebody else's problem. Um, and it's a perverse incentive. And so one of the things that we're trying to work toward is a more aligned, integrated system where um, there's greater recognition and incentives built in for everybody, for the patient, the provider, pharmacist, that when people are accessing the right drug at the right time, um, that's something that's supported uh, and not something to which we're enacting barriers. So it sounds like you're talking about these silos where medication costs um, are just being looked at as a small part of the whole healthcare cost, um, which, of course, by addressing medication, but as well as proper use of medication, and our involvement as pharmacists in that to help lower the total healthcare costs and to our, our of course, the patients ultimately in the end. Right. That's exactly right, Dan, is, is basically trying to look at breaking down the silos in a more holistic approach in terms of um, considering prescription drug uh, coverage and, and adherence as an investment, as something to support and something that will directly result in lower costs and, and you know, other aspects of, of the healthcare system. And doing so in a way that uh, where payers and plan sponsors have greater um, acknowledgement and support for that, for that concept, where in, instead of the very much siloed system right now. I mean, you consider a Medicare program in and of itself, and a lot of what happens in the private sector flows from Medicare. Um, it's its own uh, part of the program, the Part D program. Um, there are some integ integrated programs with drug and non-drug coverage in Part C, Medicare Advantage plans, but um, there's still you know, an awful lot of people who are, who are covered just through this um, silo, if you will. And it's a sort of rep representative and emblematic of the, the country's larger issue as a whole. There was one concept you mentioned earlier. Um, you mentioned transparency. Um, so why is transparency, in your opinion, important? And what is being done now regarding transparency in this system? We, well, not enough, we think, but, uh, but we're, we're seeing some process in that, down that uh, path. I think that um, uh, when you consider how things operate in this uh, part of the um, economy versus other parts of the economy, it's, it's, it's really a stark contrast in terms of the um, lack of transparency in, into the system. And we believe that um, that does not well serve well uh, patients or plan sponsors or, in the case of a government program, taxpayers. And so that's something that we're... Um, you know, strenuously advocating for is that there be more transparency. And I mean, the greater, uh, the more complicated the system is, the less transparent is, um, does not serve anyone except probably those who are administering the system. And we believe that if you can strip away some of that and get a greater uh, clarity, transparency, um, that that's something that um, will produce a system that is more aligned in terms of the interest of the plan sponsor, the interest of prescribers, patients, and, and pharmacists, we think, uh, whereas right now we have, a, we believe, a, a misaligned system. One topic that we've heard um, student pharmacists and pharmacists talk about is this idea of the preferred pharmacy. Um, so could you talk a little bit about this preferred pharmacy and kind of where, what are the issues that you see regarding the preferred pharmacy? Yeah, so about 
oh, seven years or so ago, um, there started a proliferation of um, restricted pharmacy networks. And so essentially plans were uh, making arrangements with certain pharmacy providers uh, to steer patients toward those providers. And they would, they would strike, strike agreements that um, resulted in lower uh, cost sharing or co-payments for people if they went to a certain pharmacy provider. And um, they were done in a way that was not particularly transparent or upfront from the, um, uh, from, from the outside perspective. And it became a, a white-hot issue for community pharmacists because um, NCPA, of course, is, is, are the independent, primarily the independent mom-and-pop pharmacies and regional chain pharmacies. Um, a lot of our members are in underserved areas in rural and urban areas um, where uh, chains are not uh, as prominent for a variety of reasons. Um, but be that as it may, um, the NCPA membership typically serves a dis disproportionately high number of folks in these underserved areas. And uh, unfortunately, we're often left out of these preferred limited network arrangements. And so that became a top priority for the organization in terms of trying to press Medicare, press Congress, uh, interact with plan sponsors themselves in the Medicare program to basically push for greater access to patients and greater choice for patients. So um, the, the number of those um, preferred pharmacy plans um, has proliferated in the Medicare Part D program. It's now very common. Um, and so, uh, and it is still a, a source of concern for NCPA because there are some plans, some of the largest plans, uh, which do exclude uh, independent community pharmacies as preferred pharmacies or where the lowest cost sharing is available. And that's, that continues to be a priority for us. We're trying to get that resolved. We are heartened, at least, though, that there's been a, a lot of change in the market in response to the pressure that uh, community pharmacists and their patients have applied uh, in terms of the concern about uh, insufficient access. And so now there are at least more um, options on the market uh, for patients who uh, prefer to use a independent community pharmacy, for them to do so in a way that those pharmacies are able to participate as preferred pharmacies. Um, we continue to believe that more access is needed. Um, as I mentioned, we, our members serve a disproportionately um, underserved uh, area, and that's a concern as well as, um, and really we think the facts are on our side from the standpoint of we've, there was a very uh, robust debate about this issue with Medicare and uh, officials at the Medicare agency, CMS. Um, they heard our arguments. They heard arguments from uh, the, the PBM side they heard, and the plan side. They heard from pretty much every stakeholder and ultimately concluded that policies that support choice of pharmacy and incentivize the patient to find a pharmacy that works best for he or she uh, is the best way to lower costs and um, the prescription drug program, Part D. So we believe that that's true, that it sort of um, aligns with common sense, that the more competition you have, the better um, uh, and more functioning a market you have. And that's something that we continue to support and advocate for, uh, while at the same time we are uh, encouraged that there's been a market transition in response to the, um, the, the access and choice issues that were uh, really uh, in a bad spot uh, a few years ago. What is being done now to help mediate the relationship between PBMs and pharmacies, as well as with patients, insurers, and manufacturers? Thanks, Dan. I, it's really a multi-track process. So essentially, uh, so much of what the coverage for prescription drug medication in this country is run through some kind of a, a government finance program or another, 
um, be it med the Medicare program, Medicaid, or, or a variety of other uh, systems. And so the discussion cannot really be had without some kind of a level of engagement with policymakers to who are leveraging those decisions in terms of uh, access to medication and, and choice of pharmacy, things along those lines. So that's been a big part of our effort and strategy is to better educate and inform policymakers to understand the importance of patient access to medication and that they are able to find a pharmacy provider that works best for them, be it a, a community independent pharmacy or a uh, you know, a chain or, or supermarket or or other provider. Um, that's really kind of a core message that we're taking to uh, to policymakers. I think that some other ways that are are being effectuated are are trying are in the private sector are trying to find different ways of working with um, insurers, plan sponsors, and others to try to uh, f find better alignment between the plan uh, sponsor, the provider, and the patient. Um, and I'll mention one program, which is a, a known by the acronym as CPESN, and so it's a it's a, a network of uh, community pharmacies of uh, varying practice uh, scopes uh, that are trying to provide a higher level of care for patients, and in doing so in a way that is uh, quantifiable, that adds value to the system, and uh, results in better outcomes for patients. And so that's a discussion we're trying to advance now separately outside of the uh, the governmental space to talk to some plan sponsors and others in the private sector related to how we can be engaged there. And then we, we feel that um, there's enormous potential there and uh, as well as the uh, opportunity for quicker action than say in the governmental space, which you know perhaps maybe down the line will follow when they can see some of these more of these successes happening in the private sector. As we've kind of discussed, there are potential ways that we can improve on our healthcare delivery service, especially as it relates to the relationship between patients, pharmacies, and PBMs. Um, is there a better model for PBMs as far as their role within the healthcare industry? NCPA's view is that there, you know, there is a need for an entity to um, manage the drug benefit, and and there is that um, there are benefits that accrue related to that from the standpoint of. Um, you know, more efficiency of operation uh, in, in terms of um, uh, the pharmacy interaction, the patient getting their medication, the, the, the copay structuring. So there are definitely some, um, there's a role to play. Um, however, um, our perspective is that things are completely out of whack right now and have the, the pendulum has swung way too far from the standpoint of um, PBMs really being in a position to, to call all the shots um, for everybody involved, for the um pharmacist, the patient, the plan sponsor, I mean, really in a, um, a, a, a position of uh, uh, major influence. And so that's something that we're, you know, we continue to be concerned about. And like I mentioned earlier, we're, we're encouraged by the fact that they're, you're now seeing more and more entities speaking out about these issues. We're trying to engage other stakeholders and get them more focused on this as well. Um, so your, I guess, more directly your question about uh, models. I mean, so this concept of uh, bringing PBMs back to their core competency of claim adjudication and, and uh, program management is something that we're um, uh, supportive of and trying to advance. Um, at the same time, so that's a that's a discussion we're kind of having at, at a um, governmental level with Congress, with uh, you know, with Medicare, with other uh, policymakers. At the same time, we're trying to seek out new models. And so uh, one is um, referred to as CPESN. And so this is a concept of some uh, pharmacy, pharmacists that are providing um, a higher level of care uh, than is 
perhaps typically expected or are accustomed to by maybe the majority of patients. And so we're trying to support NCPA, is trying to support this, this effort, the CPSN effort of a nationwide, nationwide network piecing together different state networks that exist right now or, or are in various stages of, de of development um, to align with plan sponsors to achieve better outcomes for patients and, and through better utilization of the pharmacist's skill set and ability to help patients. So um, that's a private sector initiative we're trying to advance while at the same time having these discussions with um, policymakers on the government side of things from the standpoint of um, how do we have a, a system that, again, better aligns the interest of the patient, the plan sponsor, the pharmacist providers? How can student pharmacists get more involved in PBM-related issues? Well, I think that getting involved in their organizations, their uh, trade associations, is, a, is really where they have to start. And so, you know, um, APHA is a great organization. NCPA does a lot of work with them, and, and um, we have a great relationship with APHA. Um, we have a very active um, uh, student contingent of NCPA members as well who are really some of the best and brightest and doing some great work. And uh, we'd encourage folks who, particularly those who are either concerned about these issues and those who might have an interest in, in you know, the independent pharmacy space down, down the line, to, to get and to stay engaged you know, with, with their associations. Um, you know, we're really the only entities that are out there kind of speaking for them on these issues. And so I think that having their engagement is, um, is critical to the process. I'd say uh, some resources that I would recommend would be on our, our website. Uh, it's www.ncpanet.org uh, slash advocacy, and, and there you can find one-pagers on a lot of these issues that we're talking about, um, as well as uh, links to how f people can take grassroots action to contact their elected officials to uh, advance some of these pro-pharmacist, pro-patient uh, proposals that we're, that we're advancing. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank Kevin Schwears yet again for meeting with us today as we have our discussion about PBMs and how they relate to pharmacy and pharmacy practice out in your... Thank you yet again to Kevin Schwears for offering to speak with us about PBMs and their impact on pharmacy. We, the Policy Standing Committee, would also like to thank all of our listeners, including pharmacists and student pharmacists. And remember to take a few moments each day to think outside the prescription pad. Mm -hmm.